Today is day 46 of our daily reading plan. We will be completing the book of Judges, chapters 15 through 19. Lord Heavenly Father, we are very much like the people in Judges. We go our own way, we do what's right in our own eyes, and we don't consult you. We forget you, we abandon you at times, and Lord, we are sick, and we are weak without you. Please forgive us for our weaknesses, and Lord, that we may learn how to be different, and how to be strong, and how to be steadfast in you and in your love. Please teach us today as we go through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. But after a while, in the time of wheat harvest, Samson visited his wife with a young goat and said, I will go into my wife in her room. But her father did not let him enter. Her father said, I really thought that you hated her intensely, so I gave her to your companion. Is not her younger sister more beautiful than she? Please let her be yours instead. Samson then said to them, This time I shall be blameless in regard to the Philistines when I do them harm. Samson went and caught three hundred foxes and took torches and turned the foxes tail to tail and put one torch in the middle between two tails. When he had set fire to the torches, he released the foxes into the standing grain of the Philistines, thus burning up both the shocks and the standing grain, along with the vineyards and groves. Then the Philistines said, Who did this? And they said, Samson, the son-in-law of the Timnite, because he took his wife and gave her to his companion. So the Philistines came up and burned her and her father with fire. Samson said to them, Since you act like this, I will surely take revenge on you, but after that I will quit. He struck them ruthlessly with a great slaughter, and he went down and lived in the cleft of the rock of Etan. Then the Philistines went up and camped in Judah and spread out in Lehi. The man of Judah said, Why have you come up against us? And they said, We have come up to bind Samson, in order to do to him as he did to us. Then three thousand men of Judah went down to the cleft of the rock of Etam, and said to Samson, Do you not know that the Philistines are rulers over us? What then is this that you have done to us? And he said to them, As they did to me, so I have done to them. They said to him, We have come down to bind you, so that we may give you into the hands of the Philistines. And Samson said to them, Swear to me that you will not kill me. So they said to him, No, but we will bind you fast and give you into their hands yet surely we will not kill you. Then they bound him with two new ropes and brought him up from the rock. When he came to Lehi, the Philistines shouted as they met him. 
And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, so that the ropes that were on his arms were as flax that is burned in fire. And his bonds dropped from his hands. He found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, so he reached out and took it and killed a thousand men with it. Then Samson said, With the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps. With the jawbone of a donkey, I have killed a thousand men. When he had finished speaking, he threw the jawbone from his hand, and he named that place Ramath-Lehi. Then he became very thirsty, and he called to the Lord and said, You have given this great deliverance by the hand of your servant, and now shall I die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? But God split the hollow place that is in Lehi, so that water came out of it. When he drank, his strength returned, and he revived. Therefore he named it Enhakore, which is in Lehi to this day. So he judged Israel twenty years in the days of the Philistines. Now Samson went to Gaza and saw a harlot there and went into her. When it was told to the Gazites, saying, Samson has come here, they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the gate of the city. And they kept silent all night, saying, Let us wait until the morning light, then we will kill him. Now Samson lay until midnight, and at midnight he arose and took hold of the doors of the city gate and the two posts, and pulled them up, along with the bars. Then he put them on his shoulders, and carried them up to the top of the mountain, which is opposite Hebron. After this it came about that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. The lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Entice him and see where his great strength lies, and how we may overpower him, that we may bind him to afflict him. Then we will each give you eleven hundred pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength is, and how you may be bound to afflict you. Samson said to her, If they bind me with seven fresh cords that have not been dried, then I will become weak and be like any other man. Then the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh cords that had not been dried, and she bound him with them. Now she had men lying in wait in an inner room. And she said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he snapped the cords as a string of tow snaps when it touches fire so his strength was not discovered. Then Delilah said to Samson, Behold, you have deceived me and told me lies. Now please tell me how you may be bound. He said to her, If they bind me tightly with new ropes which have not been used, then I will become weak and be like any other man. So Delilah took new ropes and bound him with them, and said to him, 
The Philistines are upon you, Samson. For the men were lying in wait in the inner room. But he snapped the ropes from his arms like a thread. Then Delilah said to Samson, Up to now you have deceived me and told me lies. Tell me how you may be bound. And he said to her, If you weave the seven locks of my hair with a web and fasten it with a pin, then I will become weak and be like any other man. So while he slept, Delilah took the seven locks of his hair and wove them into the web. And she fastened it with the pin and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he awoke from his sleep and pulled out the pin of the loom and of the web. Then she said to him, How can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have deceived me these three times and have not told me where your great strength is. It came about when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him that his soul was annoyed to death. So he told her all that was in his heart and said to her, A razor has never come on my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I will become weak and be like any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her all that was in his heart, she sent and called the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up once more, for he has told me all that is in his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hands. She made him sleep on her knees, and called for a man, and had him shave off the seven locks of his hair. Then she began to afflict him, and his strength left him. She said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out, as at other times, and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes, and they brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze chains, and he was a grinder in the prison. However, the hair of his head began to grow again after it was shaved off. Now the lords of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their god, and to rejoice, for they said, Our God has given Samson, our enemy, into our hands. When the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, Our God has given our enemy into our hands, even the destroyer of our country, who has slain many of us. It so happened when they were in high spirits that they said, Call for Samson, that he may amuse us. So they called for Samson from the prison, and he entertained them. And they made him stand between the pillars. Then Samson said to the boy who was holding his hand, Let me feel the pillars on which the house rests, that I may lean upon them. 
Now the house was full of men and women, and the lords of the Philistines were there. And about three thousand men and women were on the roof, looking on, while Samson was amusing them. Then Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord God, please remember me, and please strengthen me just this time, O God, that I may at once be avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested, and braced himself against them, the one with his right hand and the other with his left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he bent with all his might, so that the house fell on the lords and all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he killed in his life. Then his brothers and all his father's household came down, took him, brought him up, and buried him between Zorah and Eshtael in the tomb of Manoah, his father. Thus he had judged Israel twenty years. Now there was a man of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Micah. He said to his mother, The eleven hundred pieces of silver which were taken from you, about which you uttered a curse in my hearing, behold, the silver is with me. I took it. And his mother said, Blessed be my son by the Lord. He then returned the eleven hundred pieces of silver to his mother. And his mother said, I wholly dedicate the silver from my hand to the Lord for my son, to make a graven image and a molten image. Now therefore, I will return them to you. So when he returned the silver to his mother, his mother took two hundred pieces of silver and gave them to the silversmith, who made them into a graven image and a molten image, and they were in the house of Micah. And the man Micah had a shrine, and he had made an ephod and household idols and consecrated one of his sons, so that he might become his priest. In those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. Now there was a young man from Bethlehem in Judah, of the family of Judah, who was a Levite, and he was staying there. Then the man departed from the city, from Bethlehem in Judah, to stay wherever he might find a place. And as he made his journey, he came to the hill country of Ephraim, to the house of Micah. Micah said to him, Where do you come from? And he said to him, I am a Levite from Bethlehem in Judah, and I am going to stay wherever I find a place. Micah said to him, Dwell with me, and be a father and a priest to me, and I will give you ten pieces of silver a year, a suit of clothes, and your maintenance. So the Levite went in. The Levite agreed to live with the man, and the young man became to him like one of his sons. So Micah consecrated the Levite, and the young man became his priest 
and lived in the house of Micah. Then Micah said, Now I know that the Lord will prosper me, seeing I have a Levite as a priest. In those days there was no king in Israel, and in those days the tribe of the Danites was seeking an inheritance for themselves to live in. For until that day, an inheritance had not been allotted to them as a possession among the tribes of Israel. So the sons of Dan sent from their family five men out of their whole number, valiant men from Zorah and Eshtel, to spy out the land and to search it. And they said to them, Go, search the land. And they came to the hill country of Ephraim, to the house of Micah, and lodged there. When they were near the house of Micah, they recognized the voice of the young man, the Levite. And they turned aside there and said to him, Who brought you here? And what are you doing in this place? And what do you have here? He said to them, Thus and so has Micah done to me, and he has hired me, and I have become his priest. They said to him, Inquire of God, please, that we may know whether our way on which we are going will be prosperous. The priest said to them, Go in peace. Your way in which you are going has the Lord's approval. Then the five men departed and came to Laish, and saw the people who were in it living in security, after the manner of the Sidonians, quiet and secure. For there was no ruler humiliating them for anything in the land. And they were far from the Sidonians and had no dealings with anyone. When they came back to their brothers at Zorah and Eshtael, their brothers said to them, what do you report? They said, Arise, and let us go up against them. For we have seen the land, and behold, it is very good. And will you sit still? Do not delay to go, to enter, to possess the land. When you enter, you will come to a secure people with a spacious land. For God has given it into our hand a place where there is no lack of anything that is on the earth. Then from the family of the Danites, from Zorah and from Eshtel, six hundred men armed with weapons of war set out. They went up and camped at Kiriath-Jerim in Judah. Therefore they called this place Mahanadan to this day. Behold, it is west of Kiriath-Jerim. They passed from there to the hill country of Ephraim, and came to the house of Micah. Then the five men who went to spy out the country of Laish said to their kinsmen, Do you know that there are in these houses an ephod, and household idols, and a graven image, and a molten image? Now therefore, consider what you should do. They turned aside there and came to the house of the young man, the Levite, to the house of Micah, and asked him of his welfare. The six hundred men, armed with their weapons of war, who were of the sons of Dan, stood by the entrance of the gate. Now 
the five men who went to spy out the land went in and entered there, and took the graven image of and the ephod, the household idols, and the molten image, while the priest stood by the entrance of the gate, with the six hundred men armed with weapons of war. When these went into Micah's house and took the graven image, the ephod, and household idols, and the molten image, the priest said to them, What are you doing? They said to him, Be silent. Put your hand over your mouth and come with us, and be to us a father and a priest. Is it better for you to be a priest to the house of one man, or to be priest to a tribe and a family in Israel? The priest's heart was glad, and he took the ephod and household idols and the graven image and went among the people. Then they turned and departed, and put the little ones and the livestock and the valuables in front of them. When they had gone some distance from the house of Micah, the men who were in the houses near Micah's house assembled and overtook the sons of Dan. They cried to the sons of Dan, who turned around and said to Micah, What is the matter with you that you have assembled together? He said, You have taken away my gods which I made, and the priests, and have gone away. And what do I have besides? So how can you say to me, What is the matter with you? The sons of Dan said to him, Do not let your voice be heard among us, or else fierce men will fall upon you, and you will lose your life with the lives of your household. So the sons of Dan went on their way, and when Micah saw that they were too strong for him, he turned and went back to his house. Then they took what Micah had made, and the priest who had belonged to him, and came to Laish, to a people quiet and secure, and struck them with the edge of the sword, and burned the city with fire. And there was no one to deliver them, because it was far from Sidon, and they had no dealings with anyone. And it was in the valley which is near Beth Rehob. And they rebuilt the city and lived in it. They called the name of the city Dan, after the name of Dan, their father, who was born in Israel. However, the name of the city before was Laish. The sons of Dan set up for themselves the graven image, and Jonathan, the son of Gershom, the son of Manasseh. He and his sons were priests to the tribe of the Danites until the day of the captivity of the land. So they set up for themselves Micah's graven image, which he had made, all the time that the house of God was at Shiloh. Now it came about in those days, when there was no king in Israel, that there was a certain Levite staying in the remote part of the hill country of Ephraim, who took a concubine for himself from Bethlehem in Judah. But his concubine played the harlot against him, 
and she went away from him to her father's house in Bethlehem in Judah, and was there for a period of four months. Then her husband arose and went after her to speak tenderly to her in order to bring her back, taking with him his servant and a pair of donkeys. So she brought him into her father's house, and when the girl's father saw him, he was glad to meet him. His father-in-law, the girl's father, detained him, and he remained with him three days. So they ate and drank and lodged there. Now on the fourth day, they got up early in the morning, and he was prepared to go. And the girl's father said to his son-in-law, Sustain yourself with a piece of bread, and afterward you may go. So both of them sat down and ate and drank together. And the girl's father said to the man, Please be willing to spend the night, and let your heart be merry. Then the man arose to go, but his father-in-law urged him so that he spent the night there again. On the fifth day, he arose to go early in the morning, and the girl's father said, Please sustain yourself and wait until afternoon. So both of them ate. When the man arose to go along with his concubine and servant, his father-in-law, the girl's father, said to him, Behold now, the day has drawn to a close. Please spend the night. Lo, the day is coming to an end. Spend the night here, so that your heart may be merry. Then tomorrow you may arise early for your journey, so that you may go home. But the man was not willing to spend the night. So he arose and departed, and came to a place opposite Jabus, that is, Jerusalem. And there were with him a pair of saddled donkeys. His concubine also was with him. When they were near Jabus, the day was almost gone, and the servant said to his master, Please come, and let us turn aside into this city of the Jebusites and spend the night in it. However, his master said to him, We will not turn aside into the city of foreigners, who are not of the sons of Israel, but we will go on as far as Gibeah. He said to his servant, Come, and let us approach one of these places, and we will spend the night in Gibeah or Ramah. So they passed along and went their way, and the sun set on them near Gibeah, which belongs to Benjamin. They turned aside there in order to enter and lodge in Gibeah. When they entered, they sat down in the open square of the city, for no one took them into his house to spend the night. Then behold, an old man was coming out of the field from his work at evening. Now the man was from the hill country of Ephraim, and he was staying in Gibeah, but the men of the place were Benjamites. And he lifted up his eyes and saw the traveler in the open square of the city. And the old man said, Where are you going, and where do you come from? He said to him, We are passing from Bethlehem in Judah 
to the remote part of the hill country of Ephraim, for I am from there, and I went to Bethlehem in Judah. But I am going now to my house, and no man will take me into his house. Yet there is both straw and fodder for our donkeys, and also bread and wine for me, your maidservant, and the young man who is with your servants. There is no lack of anything. The old man said, Peace to you. Only let me take care of all your needs. However, do not spend the night in the open square. So he took him into his house and gave the donkeys fodder, and they washed their feet and ate and drank. While they were celebrating, behold, the men of the city, certain worthless fellows, surrounded the house, pounding the door. And they spoke to the owner of the house, the old man, saying, Bring out the man who came into your house, so that we may have relations with him. Then the man, the owner of the house, went out to them and said to them, No, my fellows, please do not act so wickedly. Since this man has come into my house, do not commit this act of folly. Here is my virgin daughter and his concubine. Please let them bring them out, so that you may ravish them and do to them whatever you wish. But do not commit such an act of folly against this man. But the men would not listen to him. So the man seized his concubine and brought her out to them, and they raped her and abused her all night until morning, then let her go at the approach of dawn. As the day began to dawn, the woman came and fell down at the doorway of the man's house, where her master was, until full daylight. When her master arose in the morning and opened the doors of the house and went out to go on his way, then behold, his concubine was lying at the doorway of the house with her hands on the threshold. He said to her, Get up and let us go. But there was no answer. Then he placed her on the donkey, and the man arose and went to his home. When he entered his house, he took a knife and laid hold of his concubine and cut her in twelve pieces, limb by limb, and sent her throughout the territory of Israel. All who saw it said, Nothing like this has ever happened or been seen from the day when the sons of Israel came up from the land of Egypt to this day. Consider it, take counsel, and speak up. Okay, so we saw the life of Samson from after his wedding through the end of his life, and it was full of very odd things. So... The way he did things was very unusual. So he went back to his wife, the one that he was there at the festival with, in order to consummate the marriage, but the father had given her to someone else. So he was upset about that, and so he decided, you know what, I'm just going to take 300 foxes, tie their tails together, and put a torch in the middle of them and just let them loose 
all over the land of Philistia, and apparently it caused a great deal of damage. A very unusual thing to do, but nonetheless it was effective. And so he really upset the Philistine people, as you can imagine. So they were looking for any opportunity to kill him. But every time that they went against him, he went back at them and just destroyed them. He was so strong. Then he went to live by himself on, on a cleft of a rock. And people went to go to him and say, hey, you know there's people looking to kill you. And you can you could kind of see Samson's confidence and is, yeah, I know, but they're not going to do anything to me. And he knew that he was very strong. But they didn't really understand his strength. So that's why they said, when the Israelite people came up and said, hey, you realize that the Philistines own us, right? Why do you keep making them upset? You're just going to make them take it out on us. So we're going to give you up to them. They can have you. That way we can live in peace and we won't be affected by your craziness. And he's like, just, just tell him, just promise you're not going to kill me, and you can do whatever you want, knowing full well that he was going to get out of whatever it is they put him in. So, yeah, we won't kill you, but we'll tie you up. So they tied him up, and then he snapped it like a twig and just grabbed a fresh jawbone of a donkey and killed a thousand men with it. You know, sound makes it, the Bible sometimes makes this sound so such like a casual thing. But the Lord was certainly with him. Now, the strangest thing of all is how God is with him throughout all this sin. And that's something to note here, is throughout all this sin, all this selfishness, all this adultery that he's going to go through here, just like in chapter 16 as well, he went into a harlot. And not only that, but he got into a relationship with another Philistine woman named Delilah. And despite all of the evil things he's been doing, the Lord is still with him. The Lord is still with him. And when he asks for something, the Lord responds. So he has taken good care of him. And this Nazarite vow has been violated so many times, and yet the Lord is faithful to what he told his parents. So we can't forget that. Now, when we get to chapter 16, we come to Delilah here, and from the very beginning, she doesn't love Samson. She does not care about him at all. She is a traitor. She is just a person doing an inside job against Samson trying to get his trust, his affections, so that they could figure out how to kill him and defeat him. And after him playing with them for a few times, then he finally tells his secrets. Now, I thought that was very interesting that he would tolerate this stuff, really, because if somebody came up to me and said, hey, tell me how you got your strength and how we can bind you so that we can afflict you. That would be all the red flag I need is, hey, I don't think she's out for my best interest. I don't know, maybe he thought she was playing or 
you know, that she was trying to get kinky with him. I don't know. But either way, that would have just been a sign for me. It's like, I need to get out of here because this lady is nuts. His soul was annoyed to death. <laughs> oh, man. That's vernacular we can understand in this world. So then he just like, all right, let me just say it so you can shut your mouth. Shave my head and I'll lose my strength. And she could tell that he was being genuine. And so he's like, I got him. Y'all come back here. We'll take care of this. So they got him and they gouged his eyes out. He went blind from that moment on. And then he became a prisoner. He was reduced to slave labor. They had a big party about it. I mean, he had murdered thousands of Philistines in his life. And so they had a reason to celebrate. And so they celebrated great sacrifice to their, to their god Dagon. A vegetation god for the Philistines. And apparently this was a humongous building because it says that there were 3,000 men and women who were on the roof. So this is a big place. Thousands and thousands of people at this party here. And then they, they decided, you know what, let's bring out Samson so we can be amused by him. So we can just watch him struggle, watch him be blind, feeling around, and just humiliate him. But did you see how God's not done with him yet? There was that hope, that salvation that was mentioned here in verse 22. However, the hair on his head began to grow again after it was shaved off. The Lord's not done with him yet. And we see that here, that the Lord gave him one more chance. Please remember me. Please strengthen me just this time so that I may be avenged. And so he crashed the whole place down, pulling those pillars apart and killed all of them. Thousands of people worshiping Dagon. He is such an interesting story because even though he was, he's so famous for being strong, right? But whenever you look at him, compared to these other judges, he is not someone you would want to imitate. He's not a proper hero that the world likes to remember him as. He really isn't. He was so gifted by God, and yet he failed to use all of his gifts for God's glory until the very end. He cared only about himself. And all he wanted was to do everything contrary to his Nazarite vow. And even despite all that, God stuck with him. So it's a very interesting story to read. And, and what I also like about it is that no one is beyond God's compassion. Even when we act foolishly, God is able to use us and he is able to love us. He doesn't love us any less. He doesn't love us any more when we sin. The sin does not affect him. It doesn't cause him to pause. It doesn't cause him to not do something that he wills. 
Everything is going according to his plan. He's not affected by it, but he still holds us accountable to it. And then you come to chapter 17 about this man named Micah. And this is not the prophet Micah. I think that's pretty obvious, but just wanted to say that. Micah's mother had 1,100 pieces of silver, and Micah apparently was the thief that took them. He confessed to the crime. And so in some way, he thought that he could buy back the curse that his mother placed upon him. So he tried to dedicate the money to the Lord and made some idols to do that. And why did he think idols were okay? They're not. But yeah, like it says here in verse 6, In those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. And that's the reason why we're having so many issues in this generation as well. Everyone just feels like they're doing whatever they want to do. And in this case, why he would pervert God's standards to think that he could have a priesthood in his own house to an idol and make himself an ephod and stuff like that. I mean, it's nonsensical, but he was legitimately thinking he was serving the Lord in this way. He was totally off track. So then a legitimate Levite came and stayed there, and the man knew that he was a Levite, so he offered him to be priest in his house. The Levites know better because he went along with it. If he was truly a Levite and he knew the law of Moses, he would not have done this. And then we hear, we see the Danites going on here. Apparently they're still not fully settled because the Amorites had forced out of their inheritance and into some mountainous areas. So they were not completely settled and they wanted to finish the job. And so they found a place called Laish. And it was at the most northern tip of the land of Israel that we see on maps today. And they were just minding their own business. They weren't really affiliated with anybody. They were just living in peace. And they saw that the land was good, the Danites, and so they went in and conquered them. After going to the house of Micah, taking all his stuff, and convincing the Levites that, hey, you know, it's better to be a priest to a whole group than just to one guy. And, but, and the Levite just jumped allegiance like that. So there we go. Not to mention, this priest really has no communion with God. And, and he, they said, well, please tell us if this mission of ours is blessed. And he said, yeah, it is. I don't think he knew what he was saying. But at the end of it, God did fulfill it. And the Danites settled the city of Laish after destroying everybody in it. And then they named it Dan after their ancestor. And they set up idols and lived in idolatry. And But they're not the worst ones. As we're seeing here in chapter 19, we're going to have the Benjamite War. This is a war with the tribe of Benjamin because they have gone way down the rabbit hole. 
they have gone deep into darkness. Especially after we see what they did to this one young lady. I mean, this guy was obviously an upright man because he had a concubine and his concubine was not faithful to him. She left him, played the harlot with other men, prostituted herself. But he went and he spoke tenderly to her in order to bring her back. He was being kind to her and not treating her poorly because of her choices. He apparently loved this woman and wanted her and was kind. And this is a good man that you can see here. He's doing the right thing. So he goes and he deals with the father-in-law. The father-in-law is kind of overbearing and forcing him to stay longer than he'd like. But then he finally just puts his foot down and says, no, I'm going. And so they leave, but it was late. Instead of leaving early in the morning like he should have, he was just so aggravated by being with this man who kept forcing him to stay that he's like, you know what, I'm gonna, it's late, but I'm going to leave anyway. And that ended up being a very poor decision because of what happened here. So they came to Gibeah, which is in Benjamin, and nobody in the city wanted to help him. They just cared about themselves and wouldn't give him any place to stay. So he was waiting out in the open square because obviously there's no one, nowhere to go. Until an old man came and said, hey, you can stay with me. And then we see what happens. And this kind of reminds me of Sodom and Gomorrah because it's almost the same thing. Where while they were celebrating in the house... Worthless fellows, literally in the Hebrew, it's sons of Belial, sons of the devil, came and they were homosexual, sexually perverted. They wanted the man in order to sleep with him. And it, it's almost like the same story with Lot all over again. Well, let me, you can have my daughter, you can have so-and-so and do whatever you want to them. And then the poor concubine has to be just destroyed by these people. It's, it's so disgusting to see just how evil these people were. To the point where she laid down at the doorway of the man's house. And she had died after the way she was treated by, that night before. She was brutalized. To the point of death. That's why it says in verse 28. Get up and let us go. But there was no answer. There was no answer because she was dead. So. When they got back. He dismembered her. Which I think is a very. Disgusting thing. But. what he The reason why he did it was. He was creating a call of action. To the nation of Israel. I want you guys to know. What has happened to me in the tribe of Benjamin and this whole, this whole tribe of Israel, all the other 11 tribes need to know what happened here. And you know, we need to do something because this is disgusting and this is horrific that our brothers are acting in this way. Like it says, consider this, take counsel and speak up. 
we need to do something about these people of Benjamin. We're going to see what they do, which they end up, they end up going to war with them over their evil ways. And maybe not quite in a literal sense, but I know that the Lord wants us to go to war against sinful things and not to make any provision for it in our lives or to be accepting of it, tolerant of anything like that. We should be bold and straightforward in our speech when it comes to these things. It's never okay to do these things. We don't hate the person, but we do hate the sin and we do not tolerate it. So, if you are aware of that going on around you, do not accept it. Do not tolerate it. Well, that's really all I had for today. There's a couple more chapters to go in the book of Judges, uh, which concludes the Benjamite War, what happened after that. And then we're going to go into the short yet very sweet book of Ruth. That's what we'll do tomorrow. Until then, I'm Ryan. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.